The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome in to another Pit Panther Rants, another Sports Rants podcast. Watt Harris, your host. Happy Thursday, folks. College football starts tonight as we got some games happening. In fact, let's look at the 1AA slate here for tonight. Elon opens against Wake Forest. Well, or maybe Wake Forest open, opens against Elon, whatever. Kent State plays UCF. UCF a minus 35.5 for that game. I'm sure that, well, I don't know. That's a pretty generous cover. It's a pretty generous spread. I would take Kent State. Red Island, Georgia play. St. Francis and Western Michigan. NC State and UConn. A lot of people picking UConn this one. The cover, but I don't know. It's Brandon Armstrong is reunited with his offensive coordinator from Virginia, so I'm not so sure about that. I would probably take NC State to cover that game. <clears throat> but again, it's also at UConn as well, so that would be one reason for it. Florida faces off against Utah. And that's at Utah. Utah is 14th ranked. Nebraska plays Minnesota. I'm not going to list all of these. This is ridiculous. Uh, some other notable uh, Tulsa UAB and Arizona State also play, but it's all cupcakes. There's really, I mean, the only, the only notable game is probably shit. Probably Nebraska Minnesota. The Matt Roll era kicks off. Okay, enough of that. I had a phone call just as soon as you guys rang in, and it was for something, some some sort of bill collecting, whatever. Screw it. That's one thing when you podcast with your phone. You're going to get phone calls from people you don't even know or you don't expect. So, NC State plays UConn, and I don't know, I I'm sure NC State probably wins this one. A lot of people are taking UConn with a plus 14, but I'm not sure. You know, it depends on how NC State, you know, offenses with Brennan Armstrong. I mean, if he can pick up where he left off with his offensive coordinator, then I don't know. People, Some people are, are taking the UConn plus 7 in that, on that. I don't know. Same thing with Nebraska-Minnesota. A lot of people are laying Nebraska because of Matt Rule. Matt Rule isn't going to turn them you know, to winners overnight. Just so much going on there. But as we look at the rest of the ACC, so tonight, Wake Forest plays Elon. That should be an easy win. UConn and NC State. NC State should win it. And Friday, we got Miami playing Miami of Ohio. How about that one? So Miami, Florida versus Miami of Ohio. The Fighting Ben Roethlisberger's versus 
I don't know, the, the, the Testaverdes, I guess? I mean, that's, I mean, for a thing about noble quarterbacks to come out of Miami, I mean, that would be, well, there's Jim Kelly, right? Bernie Kosar. Those are two other ones I could mention. Maybe the fighting Jim Kellys, the fighting Bernie Kosars. Let's see, Jim Kelly was from Pittsburgh. And let's see, he wanted to go to Penn State. But they wanted him a linebacker. Miami offered to, you know, for him to play quarterback, and that's when he went to South Florida. I don't know. I mean, I'm, if, I'm a, if I'm a Western PA kid and I get an offer from Miami to go, you know, go play in Florida and live in Florida, I'm probably going to go to Florida. What Bernie Kosar? Bernie Kosar. Let's look him up real quick. He went to Miami as well. Yep. Was crewed by Schellenberger. Where did he he was from Youngstown of all I mean which all these Western you know a lot of these um Rust Belt guys go into Florida. Oh well. So yeah, the maybe the fighting Jim Kelly's or the fighting Kosars versus the fighting Roethlisberger's. I guess we can go with that. Uh, let's see. We also have a a Louisville Georgia Tech game. That's at six thirty as well. Well, I'm going off Central Time Zones, guys. So this is probably seven thirty, seven o'clock. So, or maybe it's not. I don't know. I let's see. Louisville. Let's take a look here. What time did it actually kick off? Oh, seven thirty Eastern time. So it's obvious my browser's obviously reflecting central, you know, central zone. So Miami, Miami, Ohio at seven and seven thirty Louisville, Georgia Tech. So we got Friday night, Friday night lights for the ACC. And then Saturday we got Virginia and Tennessee. Uh, the Vols are minus twenty eight point favorites. They should they should probably whip Virginia. Northern Illinois and Boston College. BC should win that one, but NIU is a very tough MAC opponent. Wofford and Pittsburgh play. Pitt should win that one. We'll get into that here in a moment. Colgate and Syracuse. The Q should win that one. North Carolina at minus two and a half over South Carolina. I, I don't know about this one. I will say this is a huge game for you for North Carolina. Because they're supposedly contenders for the ACC this year with Drake May. So, I'm not sure what South South Carolina has going for them, but North Carolina really can't afford to lose this game. Hmm. I'm going with South Carolina. Old Dominion, Virginia Tech. Old Dominion is not an easy opponent. They always give people a hard time. They're like they're they're basically like you, you lump them in with the South Floridas and whoever. Well, South Florida back in the day was you know was was the big pain in the ass. But Old Dominion is one of those G five pain in the ass teams to play against. And Hokies are minus sixteen, which is kind of generous because Tech wasn't really that good last year. I think I take I take. I like Tech to win, but I think Old Dominion covers. 
And we've got two games. we got a game on Sunday, which is LSU and Florida State. It's a Sunday night game. LSU won. No, Florida State won last year, but I'm not sure about, uh, you know, that was early in the season. LSU's minus two and a half point favorite. I like LSU in this game. I think they win. Brian Kelly is going to have those guys prepared. Duke and Clemson. Clemson a minus 13. They should win that one. Over under is 55 and a half. I think that goes over. Now, is there any really notable games for top 25? I mean, there's mm, Colorado and TCU. There's Ohio State and Indiana. They kick off at 2.30 on CBS. Nothing really exciting there. No, not really. Well, I mean, there's West Virginia and Penn State. Um, Drew LR Drew LR makes his uh, debut. Supposedly, he's a Heisman contender already. Has he has he ever taken a snap yet? Let me know if I mean I don't know. Penn State's a minus twenty and a half. I think I think Drew LR comes out cooking. I think they'll cover that game. Yeah, I think they will. And there's, you know, that's really about it for, you know, for a lot of notable games. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch more, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to dive into the total schedule of this. I'm just picking notable games out. I mean, it's just, you know, yep. And, you know, as far as, far as the uh, West Virginia Penn State game has gone, it's been a topic of discussion. So has the topic of the Pitt-Penn State rivalry, which uh, Pat Narduzzi mentioned that they've asked James Franklin. You know, he said you have to ask James Franklin because they've reached out and nothing has happened. You know, and I know this is going to be a very unpopular opinion of mine. It's, it's, it's been, but... My suggestion to Pat Narduzzi and Pitt is to stop asking Penn State to play the game. Penn State does not want to play it. And if they do, they want it on their terms. So they want their two home games or whatever. Pitt's luckily, Pitt's luckily if they're going to get a home game. Penn State is not going to do one for one. That whole four-game series we have is pretty much an anomaly because... When that series was done, Tim Curley was the AD at Penn State. And Joe was pretty much at the end of his career. I mean, this series was done. This, this, you know, this four-game series is one of, where it was uh, two home, two away. It was done right before the shit hit the fan at Penn State. You know, eventually Curley would be removed. And Paterno. But that four-game series remained. And um, if I'm looking, I mean, if I'm looking, if I'm looking from Pitt's perspective, I understand. If you've got open dates, and some of the, and even some of my followers have mentioned this as well. If you have open dates, you do owe it. You're, you do owe it as a football coach. And athletic, athletic department of Pitt to 
continually ask Penn State to play this to play the game. I get it. It's a you know, it's a great game for the state. Generates lots of buzz, lots of water cooler talk. I totally get that. But so much has changed with the, with with TV money, college football playoff that you know, it's it's just, you know, rivalries are just taking the back seat. And unless the rivalries are within the conference, they're pretty much taking the back seat. I mean, a good bit of them are. I mean, there's some conference, there's some teams in different conferences that still have play rivalry games and I think we just need to accept that our rivalry game is the backyard brawl and we should go with that. We should move on with that and continue to move on with it because those guys actually hate us and want to play us. They want to beat us. And we should hate them and want to beat them as well. The only way Pitt is going to be able to ever generate any type of buzz for the rivalry game for Penn State is if Pitt starts winning conference titles, and then, well, which they have, but they also need to qualify for the playoff. Pitt needs to get into the playoff. Win playoff games. Once Pitt starts elevating themselves like that, then maybe Penn State will want to play them. Because we talk about that 2016 win, that game where we won 42-39, and that win supposedly kept Penn State out of the college football playoff. That's pretty much good enough reason why Penn State does not want to schedule the game anymore. That gives them, that gives them pretty much enough ammo not to schedule it, because look what happened. I mean, as being a being, being realistically as Pitt fans, we didn't give much of a case to to you know, reschedule the rivalry. We lost our next three games to them, and we couldn't even score more than fourteen points against them. I mean, not to mention our home game, which was you know in the pouring rain. We lost. They dropped fifty plus on us. You know, we I mean we basically got embarrassed on our own home field, and not to mention they took it over. You know, Heinz Field was reduced to we are Penn State chance. I mean, yeah, I mean, we got humiliated in our own home field. You know, it, I mean, after Pitt lost, I mean, when Pitt won their first game, after they lost their next two to Penn State, it really didn't, wouldn't matter. I know, I know going two and two would have been nice, but it wasn't going to give Penn State enough ammo to redo the rivalry. So in the meantime, Pitt needs to focus on the actual teams they're playing and the actual rivalries they do have. And who knows, maybe one day it will come around, but I'm 44 years old. This whole Pitt-Penn State rivalry thing has been talked about for so many years. I mean, it end, I mean when I was like in seventh grade, you know, they, they just ended the rivalry. You know, Penn State would have joined the Big Ten. Then, as you all know, it resumed in 1997 just for four games. And after that, Joe wanted, you know, more home games. And the talk of playing the rivalry has just been, it, it, it's pretty much been talked about every year. 
Let's see. I joined the sports message boards in like 2001. And I was like in college then. I was like 21 years old. I'm 44. The Pitt-Pitt State rivalry gets talked about every single year for the last, well, the last 20-some years. I'm 44 now. I remember Walt Harris and Steve Pearson lobbying for the game. That was over 20 years ago. Dave Wanstead tried to get Joe to do it. Wasn't happening. And now we're on the Pat Narduzzi. But I do think a lot of people, I'm just walking around here. I think um, that four-game series from 2016 to 2019 gave a lot of people hope that maybe they could schedule something. You know, maybe there was going to be some sort of a thing. Or maybe since Joe was at the end of his career... You know that maybe we can that things could be worked out. You know some sort of some sort of schedule could be worked out for the rivalry to resume. But I think a lot of that died probably when you know the Sandusky stuff happened. You know Curly's gone. All those people were gone after that. Because I think Joe was towards the end of his career there, and I think that's. Pr- yeah, that's 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 why I, that's what I felt like that was the big reason why Penn State did this. They wanted to resume it, and it just now Penn State doesn't have to resume it if they don't want to. I mean, it just that's just how it is. And we didn't give them much of a case either. I mean, when you when when you lose your next when you lose your next three and you can't score more than fourteen points against them. Penn State's got better things to do with their Sundays. But let's finally move on to the pit game because I can go on and on about this. I mean, I understand people's... I can understand Pitt's reasoning for doing it. You know, if you have open dates, you always ask if you can resume it and get some games in. I also see the Penn State side of it as well. It just is what it is. It's not gonna I mean it's I think that that you know, that whole four years was you know, that it just you know, it just came out of nowhere. Maybe it'll happen again, who knows? Meantime we got the brawl. And we got Wofford coming up this weekend. Uh Pitt plays Wofford. Coached by Sean Watson of all people. He was interim he was interim coach last year. He finished they finished three and three. And somehow he got the he got the head coaching he got the interim tag removed and became the head coach, which I found kind of odd because he um if, if I looked at their schedule he was their offensive coordinator, and offensively they weren't really that great in those first few games, and the head the head coach gets fired and all of a sudden Sean is the head coach and they went they go three and three. I mean, they're, you know, it's, I have no idea, but what to expect from that, but maybe, maybe they change offensive coordinators because, you know, Sean went, maybe Watson for, because they had to move the head coach, they had to put somebody in, in the OC place. Maybe, maybe they finally got somebody who knew what they were doing. 
the crazy thing is that Sean's resume is pretty nice. I mean, he's he's been some places. I mean, he will always be known for Teddy Bridgewater, but I always feel like maybe that was more Teddy Bridgewater because sometimes quarterbacks make offensive coordinators look good. Like they know what they're doing. I don't know. But yeah, he's bounced around and obviously he was at Pitt and it just didn't work out. I mean, the offense was pretty... I mean, we could run the ball, we just couldn't throw it. But if you look at... I mean, if you look at that team, I mean... We had Kenny. But... uh if we look at the, um, what was Sean Watson's final year? Yeah, yeah. Sean Watson's final year was the ACC team, and they, they, they the one, the team that won the Coastal. They finished seven and seven that year. They had a six and two conference record. They had two one thousand yard rushers, but passing passing wise, let's see who they. Their leading pass catcher was Maurice French and Rafael Arrua Lopez. That was it. So, you want to wonder, uh, there's also Taser Mack with 25 catches, 557. It kind of makes you wonder what happened there. Because if we go to the next year, well, 2018, let's see, let's go back to 2018. 2018, let's see, Kenny passed for, Kenny even passed for 1,000 yards that year. The next year, he passed for, with with Whipple as the coach, he passed for over 3,000 Yards, 13 tees, 9 picks, so 39. Maurice French had 96 catches, Taser Max 63. There was a bunch of guys who had more than 10 catches. And then 2020, that was a shortened season. Kaden fairly decent as well. We had Jordan Aston, DJ Turner. Then 2021 was Kenny's breakout year. I don't know. I don't think you can totally blame Sean Watson for what happened. For how bad, for the passing game. His in a year where they won the ACC Coastal, I mean, they really didn't have anybody that can. They didn't have anybody on the receiving end. I mean, Maurice French was all right, but he, you know, and they had the Real Lopez. I mean, they they just they really didn't have anybody. They had a, they had some young talent that just didn't develop yet. So I just don't think you know. I don't think you totally blame him. I mean, you can. It does fall on him. But at the same time, I mean, the talent just wasn't there either. But, you know, Mr. Watson should have had some input in that to that as well. 
But as far as the game goes, I'm expecting some things. Well, it's you know the, the big thing is to get Mr. Philly, Mr. Big Philly Jerkovic, get him going, get the get the passing game going, get them in rhythm. I'm hoping we do that. Of course, the running game we shouldn't have to do much with, and I like to see some you know. Hopefully see some good things out of the um, defense as well. Hopefully there's no glowing areas of concern. But the key thing here is to win and get the hell out get the hell out and move on the next week. Anyways, I'm not gonna go into more depth in the Wofford. It's just it's pretty cut plain and simple. Anyways, have a great weekend, guys. Hell to pit.